Amen. You can be seated. And you did so good last week that we're going to try it again. Go ahead and play it. Actually, you need something else as well, not just love, and we'll get into that in, in a few moments. We're in part two of a series, uh, we're going, actually we're kind of hitting a few big themes in Ephesians, but we're having a little fun with it, and talking about not just resolutions, because everybody makes, not everybody, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions, and I said last week it's kind of depressing, but um, 8% or less of people who make resolutions actually follow through with them. And so we don't really necessarily just need a resolution to change something. We need a revolution, a New Year's revolution. And what we had said was, there are some things that you need to know. And if you know these things and are able to put them into practice as a follower of Jesus, there can be a revolution in your life for this year. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, we talked about that last week and in the next couple weeks. And I know that some of you are thinking that um, uh, some of you are not necessarily first service people. You're here because there's a game later today. I can always tell when there's a game. I can always tell if it's an early game or a late game, too. And I, this is like in the middle, but, but we see that. So here, here's, you have an assignment if you're going to watch the game. If you're going to watch the game, you may hear this often. They will talk about football as a game of inches. That there's big things that happen. There's big runs. There's big this. But so often, it can be won or lost because of inches. It's a game of inches. So kind of keep that in, in your head. Um, we're going we're gonna to come back to that in a little bit. This was written, Ephesians was written by Paul, and um, he, it was written at a time when he was in prison. And it would be very easy for him to have his identity be, I'm in prison, and they're going to convict me, and they're going to sentence me to death. And that could very easily become his identity, but his identity was not in prison or as a prisoner. All throughout this book, his identity is in Christ. He talks about the fact that, yeah, I'm in prison, but that's not even where he focuses. And there is a joy in his life. So his identity was in Christ. And if you're a believer, what we talked about last week was the fact that if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're not talking about a churchgoer or a religious person. If you have Jesus in your life, then you're rich. You say, no, I'm really not because I'm having trouble paying my bills this month because of Christmas. That's not the kind of rich we're talking about. We're talking about a rich that's way more important and better and more lasting and actually has a greater impact than that. If you have your worship folder inside as an outline, you can follow along on the outline. It has some things that will be important for you to know um, either as a follower of Jesus or one who would say, well, that sounds really good. I would like that. 
So there's an outline to follow along with. But last week, we kind of talked about the fact that we, we are rich. And really what we talked about, you could, you could, in those terms of being rich, this is like our portfolio. This was, this was some of the things that are ours if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer. So just very quickly, last week, remember we said, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a saint. You know, we don't always act like it. You're a saint. And you are blessed. And then it went on to say, here's the things that you're blessed with. You are chosen. You are adopted. You are accepted. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are enlightened. He gives you that information, that, 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 that heart knowledge. Um, you're an heir, which means there's an inheritance. And we'll talk about that in a minute. You are included. You are sealed. And it's all guaranteed. Those are just some of the things that are ours if we're followers of Jesus. It's not about, you know, I, I'm a member of church. It's not about um, I'm a religious person or I don't do this or I don't. It's not about that. It's about who we are in Christ. And here's what I'm going to say. It's like a game of inches. Because too many people have it here. But they don't have it here. 12 to 14 inches. And they miss it completely. It has to get from the head to the heart. That's really the sermon in a sentence. We could just go. <laughs> but we're not. Because what we're going to talk about today is kind of like the YBH, the yes, but how. How, how do we take uh, the head knowledge of Christianity and turn it into heart knowledge? Something that we not only feel but do. How do we put shoe leather to the word? Because we have to know the word. We should be in it. We should be allowing God to speak to us through it. But um, it's not enough just to come up with the information. How do we make that happen and work? How does it go from our head to our heart and then really to our hands as well? How does that happen? Because the Christian life, here's what I know, walking with Jesus for 40 years now, over 40 years, this is the greatest life in the universe. Walking in step with Jesus. I hear people all the time. Yeah, I was bored today. I cannot remember the last time I was bored. <laughs> because walking with Jesus is almost never boring. There's always something that he has. Walking in step with him is the greatest life in the universe. So whatever season, whatever stage of life you find yourself in, really doesn't matter. Wherever you find yourself, don't miss this. You have to make sure, first of all, you come to know Jesus. Because it's not about church or religion. It's about knowing the person of Jesus. Make sure you grow in your understanding of it and, and that knowledge, because that's important. But make sure you allow it to captivate your inner person so that you allow it to really become who you are. It's not, it's not just about having that little bit of information or tacking it onto the side. It's about allowing it to become who you really are. Every time that we open God's Word, every time that I, I sit down in the morning to read God's Word, and I'm, I'm holding up the Bible, I'm usually doing it on my phone because it's, it, I'm in a room that's a little darker and I can read it good on my phone. And in the morning, if my eyes are bad because I'm getting old, I can make the font bigger. It just works good, okay? But every time we go into God's Word, we should say, God, speak to me. 
You just don't just start reading it. God, speak to me. God, what do you have to say to me today? Because that's what he wants to do. You should say that every time you walk into this building. Every time you walk in to gather with Journey North Church, you should be saying, God, you have me here for a reason. I know that I had a reason for coming, but you had a reason for me coming. So speak to my heart today. Because he wants to do that. Too many people, many with a lot of like Christian and religious knowledge, are living far less than victorious, abundant lives. And it's often because they're just not asking or allowing God to really speak to them, to move it from their head to their hearts and to their hands. It's like they're just playing. We need to say, open my heart so I can live it out. Because that's where it becomes abundant and life to the fullest. Last week, we discovered our identity is in the Trinity. And I told you, I just read real quickly through that. If you didn't hear that, it's online. You can listen to it. Um, there's probably some CDs in the back you can grab. And I believe that once we know the facts, once we see that this is what's really true about me, I can figure out how to live out my faith. So here's a couple of facts. I kind of bypassed this last week, but here's a couple of facts that you need to know. I think this is on your outline. The first one is this. We have an inheritance in Christ. We briefly mentioned that last week. If you're a follower of Jesus, we have an inheritance in Christ. That means I can tap into the amazing riches that he has for me. That's my identity. And, and, and we can go from the mundane to the miraculous because of that. That means I can draw on Jesus because I have an inheritance in Christ. But when you read it in this passage, the second thing here is also true. We are an inheritance of Christ. And most people don't think of it like this. It's like, yeah, I have an inheritance and I can draw on Christ. I'm rich and I can live that way. Not, we're not talking money. We're talking real life. But we also are an inheritance of Christ and he draws on us. That means whatever you're doing, God has you there. God has me where I am to accomplish a purpose. And we can become, in any situation, the hands and feet of Jesus. So we really can't say, I mean, we can, and we do too often, but we really can't say, you know, if I only had this, if I only had, you know, that husband, or if I only had that wife, or if I only had that job, or if I only didn't have this, or if I wasn't in this situation, things would be better. We really can't say that. Because we can be in the situation, in any situation, and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And it's often in those situations that we would like to get out of, that we can really accomplish those things for him. So we not only have an inheritance, we are an inheritance. We're drawing on him, but he's drawing on us as well. That's why the better we know Jesus, the better we know ourselves. So you talk about being self-aware. You want to be more self-aware? Don't worry about getting to know yourself better. Get to know Jesus better. That's the best way to do it. So today, we're just going to look at a few handles, kind of, for the Christian life from this passage in Ephesians. It's going to be simple today, get you out on time, get you out early. We're just going to look at three things that I believe could radically change how you think about yourself and how you think about your life. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, these things are true. 
So we're going to start, we finished verse 14 last week. Remember the big long sentence in the original language that ended in 14. We're going to start in verse 15 today. And it says this in verse 15 of chapter 1. For this reason, for this reason means what we talked about last week. For this reason, because of your, your identity, because of your inheritance. See, we have this inheritance because of faith. The investment is kind of what we do with that, the works, the, the, the how, how we live out that faith and do that. But he's talking about all those things we talked about last week. For this reason, I too, having heard, now it's interesting, this just hit me this week. Paul said, I have heard of the faith and love that exists among you. The interesting thing is, it just dawned on me this week. The people he's writing to are in Ephesus. It's a, it's a city back then, actually still is a city. Can go there and see it. Where was Paul? Prison in Rome. Paul was in prison in Rome and he heard of their faith and love. That means what they were doing, how they were living out what they believed had reverberated all the way to Rome. And he heard what they were doing. He said, I have heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. That's our, all you need is love. You don't just need love. You need faith too. And, and you, might, you might, if you're taking notes, you might circle those two words because those two words are huge. In fact, everything in a Christian life kind of centers right there. Our faith in God establishes our relationship with him, improves our relationship with him. The outworking of that is what Journey North Church was founded on. We have it on our wall over here. Love God, love people. It has to work itself out that way. A good way to remind yourself of this is, think of the cross. See our, our cross over there? It's, it's, what shape is it in? <laughs> I just want to see if you'd say, this is trick. It's the cross <laughs> shape. Here's what you need to do. When you think about the cross, think about the fact that there's, there's a vertical, the vertical and a horizontal aspect of the cross, Right? The vertical aspect of the cross should remind us that it all begins with our faith, our relationship with him. We're saved by grace through faith. I have that relationship with him. But that's not all that it is. There has to be a horizontal aspect of the cross too. And that has to do with how I interact with people, with other believers, with people who don't know Jesus, with the people who God brings along the way for me to be the hands and feet of Jesus in. I have to figure out those horizontal aspects so that I can work out that faith that I need to. So he says, I have heard of your faith and your love for all the saints. Verse 16, um, and he says, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul prayed for them. And we need to be praying for the people who God lays on our heart as well. But too often, we do something that we think kind of covers our bases. So I'll wake up in the middle of the night like I did last night. It's like, okay, I'm not going to sleep now. What am I going to do? I'm supposed to be praying. So if I'm really tired, I whip out. Bless Journey North Church. <laughs> means, I mean, it's important, but it means relatively nothing. Until you're specific, things really aren't going to happen. And Paul doesn't just say, oh, I was thinking about you. Bless the Ephesians and then move on. He doesn't do that. He gets specific. Remember, he's in prison, but his identity is in Christ. 
And what we need to do is we need to be in God's word. We need to be reading it daily. We need to be studying it. We need to be learning it. But we often forget that, yeah, we should study the Bible, but we should also let the Bible study us. Because God uses it to change us. It has to go from the brain to the heart. So it gets, he gets specific. And he says, I don't just pray for you generically. In verse 17, here's what he prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now that's a word that we kind of, we're not really even sure what it means when we talk about glory. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to live for the glory of God, you know? What does that mean? I had a professor in school that said, here's one way to help you. Whenever you say it, you have to say it this way. Glory. Because you're glowing. It has to do with, I am no longer living for my name. I'm no longer living for my fame. I'm living for God's name and for God's fame. He's the one that I'm living for to try to make uh, people see how amazing he is and to see some of that glory. He says, so I'm praying that the God of our uh, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Another translation says spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. Wisdom is huge. You know, the fear, understanding of God is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible says that. And I said earlier, the better we know Jesus, the better we know ourselves. I said that on purpose because it's huge. The better we know Jesus, the better we know ourselves. Here's a good working definition of wisdom. Because a lot of people are smart. But that doesn't mean they have wisdom. And they might have worldly wisdom. But that doesn't mean they have God's wisdom, the kind that will make a difference. Here's a good working definition of wisdom. Understanding life from God's perspective. Like seeing with his eyes. It would be like I have God glasses and I can see people and I can see life like God sees them. So when you see your situation from God's perspective, it's a whole nother level. It's very easy to get focused on what we're going through. You know, you're single, you're dating, you're trying to date, things aren't working good. You see it from your perspective and you can get depressed, you can have issues. You see it from God's perspective and you see it from a whole nother level because he loves you and he is for you. Maybe you're in a marriage and the marriage is not what you thought it should be. Maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's your fault. I let you in on a secret. Both of your faults. Okay? Almost always is both. But if you're only looking at that from your perspective, you're missing the wisdom part of it. Because when you look at it from God's perspective, it's a whole nother level. You look at your finances from your perspective and it can get depressing. You look at your finances from God's perspective. Who owns everything? And it's a whole nother level. When you see things through God's eyes, you see things on a whole nother level. That's wisdom. That's godly wisdom. And the only place that comes from is a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why so many people make decisions based on feelings. Now, feelings should come into play because God gave us feelings. I understand that. But too many people make decisions solely based on feeling and not on God's wisdom. And sometimes they go together, and sometimes what God says to do goes completely against what we're thinking or feeling. 
I guarantee when you do it God's way, it'll work his way. But in order to have that wisdom, we have to have that personal relationship with Jesus. We have to see through God's glasses. I'm going to do something I said I wouldn't do, and I should never do this, but I'm going to do it. I'll probably regret doing it. I'm going to use my wife in an illustration that I forgot to clear with her before I came up here. Ask forgiveness instead of permission. That's what we're going to do. Julie um, has always worn glasses or contacts, um, and when she told me the story when she was um, getting a new, a new prescription or new something, and she remembers putting these glasses on and getting them in the summer and putting these glasses on and going outside, and her comment was, there are leaves on the trees. <laughs> I'm not just seeing a big green blob. Now, see, it works for me now, too, because I always had perfect vision, and I couldn't, I couldn't relate to that. That's no longer the case. Mine's the opposite now. When I take them off, the trees are big green blobs instead of the other way around. But it's like, I can see the leaves. Things are different than what I thought. It's the same way when you see your life through God's glasses. When you see your life with his eyes. And that's true in all areas of life. So what we need to be doing is praying that we see through God's eyes. Praying that other people here see through his eyes. So that's our incredible identity. We have this incredible identity. Here's the, um, the second thing. Did I, did I give you that first one already? Identity? Um, I was just going to say identity. But, but it's not just identity. It's incredible. The second one is capacity, but it's not just capacity. It's, it's crazy capacity. If you had any idea of what God has for you and what's yours, I like this word capacity. Here's what it means. The maximum amount that something can hold. So what, whatever the, the container can hold, the maximum amount, that's the capacity. So for those of us who, who when we go to restaurants, we order by number. You can, you can get small, medium, or large, you know. I remember we lived in Arizona for three years. When the weather report didn't change, we moved back. Just could not do that. But um, I, I did some stuff with my father-in-law for a while where we were buying cars because there's no rust down there. They would sit out in the field, and the sun would literally bake the paint off them so that it was bare metal, and they wouldn't rust. And so we were buying these older cars and fixing them up and selling them. And in order to fix them up and sell them, we had to go to junkyards to find parts. So it's 120 degrees. The sun's beating down on your head. You know, the, the, you, you step in the junkyard, and you, you, it's like the moon. You take a step, and it goes, and the dust takes a little bit to settle. And we would get so thirsty. We would do this for hours during the day. We'd get so thirsty, we would go to 7-Eleven. There was one on every corner in Arizona. We would go to 7-Eleven and get a big gulp. 44 ounces. That's capacity. <laughs> it was actually beyond our capacity. <laughs> Very seldom ended well, but we did it anyhow. But we have, as believers in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a crazy capacity that you probably don't think about near often enough. So what do we mean by capacity? Here's what Paul says. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's that whole illumination thing. If you're a believer, remember you have the Holy Spirit who has sealed you, lives in you, God is in you, and helps you to see what you're reading in the Bible, helps you to understand things. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your 
What does he say? Heart may be enlightened. And here's why. So that you will know what is the hope. Now, when he says hope, too often we think of, mm, I hope so. You know, he's not talking about hope as in, oh, I got my fingers crossed and I'm hoping this is going to work. That's not what he's saying. This is, it's not, it's not like weird confidence either. We have a special word for it around here. It's Godfidence. It's confidence because of God. And he says, I want the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you know what is the hope so that you will know the hope of his calling. This is true of every single person who is a follower of Jesus. God has a calling on your life. Like, for instance, all through the, the Bible, you can read all kinds of stories. The one that comes to my mind is, is Peter. And you remember early on, Jesus changes Peter's name. He changes it to Peter. I think the, the verse says Cephas, which is Aramaic, and then Peter, which is Greek. And it means rock. Now, if you read like early stuff in Peter's life and for those first few years following Jesus, anything but rock. In fact, with my holy imagination, I see the other disciples when Jesus says that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Rolling the eyes, yeah, do you know who you're talking to here? Jesus had a calling on his life, and he went on to change the world. Jesus has a calling on your life. You know what nickname God has given you? He's given you one. He has a calling on your life. And Paul says, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. And what are the riches? There's that riches again. The riches of his glory, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He wants you to know that. He wants you to get that deep down inside. But here's the thing. Truth known never changes anybody. It's all about truth done. So I, I think it's important how much you know. But if you're not doing it, really don't care how much you know. It's are you doing it? So we have this incredible identity. We have this crazy capacity. But that doesn't mean we're doing anything with it. A lot of things have crazy capacity. Vikings. Crazy capacity this year, right? What are we going to do with it? We won't know until later on today, but we'll, we'll, we'll find out. The truth is, you have, along with this incredible identity, if you're a follower of Jesus, a crazy capacity. More than you could ever imagine. And here's the third thing that we have. Incredible identity, crazy capacity, and enormous energy enormous energy. And we don't always feel that way. We get home and it's like, oh, I can't do one more thing. I'm exhausted. I don't feel like I have energy. There are six. It's your Greek lesson for today. There are six different Greek words for power. They each mean something different. Four of those six Greek words for power are used in this verse. Verse 19. Here's your enormous energy. Verse 19. 
He wants you to know about the hope, about the calling, about all that stuff that he just talked about, the riches of the glory of his, his inheritance. And here's what else. He wants you to know what is the surpassing greatness of his power. That's the first one. Of his power toward us who believe. Remember, this is for people who have stepped across that line and claimed Jesus as Savior and Lord. This is what you get. You get, you, he wants you to know the surpassing greatness of God's power. And these are in accordance with the working. That's another word that's translated power many times. The working of the strength. Another word that's translated power often. Of his might. Four different words in the same verse that are often just translated power. And here's what they are. The first one, and you'll recognize a couple of these anyhow. The first one, the word power, dunamis. What does that sound like? Dynamite. That's where we get the word dynamite from. This is just, this is the inherent power of God. This is the power that God has because of who he is. And he wants us to know the surpassing greatness of his power. The second word is energia. I mean, energy. They're really creative when they make these English words from the Greek. The word energia, this is the, the supernatural working of God. This is the things that, that he is doing that nobody else could do. The supernatural working of God. And, and, and what it's really saying is we work out what God has supernaturally worked in. And I've been looking at this big, thick Beatles book somebody gave me, and I've been just looking at it way too much, because as I read this, all I can think of is, we can work it out, we can work it out. And that's what we do. We work it out, but we work out what he has already supernaturally worked in. It's not all up to you. You don't have to, it's, you don't do everything. We just join God in what he's doing. And it's his power, his dunamis, his energy, the supernatural working of God that we work out in what he's already supernaturally worked in. The third word is kratos, and that's this, this incredible force and strength of God that's exerted. That's now he's actually starting to use it, and he's working out this strength. And the fourth word is iskus, and this is ability, it's might, it's, it's, it's think of it as a force that overcomes immediate resistance. Which, when you're in a situation that you're having trouble with, the power that God has given you is, is his power to overcome this resistance. Whatever it is, you can't do it, but he can. And what Paul wants us to get is if you're a follower, you have that kind of power on tap. When it moves from your head to your heart. And then to your hands. When it becomes heart knowledge and you get it, that's when you have that kind of power on tap. So he gives us a description of that power, uses those four different words, and then he gives us a demonstration of the power. Just so in, in case we're missing it, he said, now here's, here's one way that that works out. What kind of power is it? Starting in verse 20. Those four kinds of power which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Here comes the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Got to spell it. S-O-N. 
That's actually very appropriate because he's telling us, here's what kind of, here's what this power does. It raised him from the dead. It seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. That power that's found in Jesus. When we say, here comes the son, he, he came, he died, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. We're his hands and feet now. He's coming back. That Jesus, we have that power. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And you know what? When we think of Jesus and all that he, we're right there with him because we have that relationship with him. How much power did it take to accomplish that. I can't even imagine the kind of power it takes to raise somebody from the dead. But what it did was even so far beyond that. Yeah, raised him from the dead, brought him back to life. It also secured the payment for sin for the entire world. The second thing it did is his resurrection and the power that did that, it it was the payment for sin, and it defeated death. Because this body is going to die. If Jesus doesn't come back before I die, this body is going to die and turn to dust. And he is going to raise it again because he's defeated death. And although I may physically die, I am alive forever because of what he accomplished. You are rich in Christ if you know Jesus. So don't waste your wealth. Too many people have this. They don't use it. It'd be like we talked last week. You find out you're, you're an heir of, you know, the, the Jeff Bezos, the guy from Amazon who's worth over $100 billion. We were looking at London pictures yesterday and they were showing Buckingham Palace. They said, you know, Buckingham Palace is like, it's worth $6 billion. I'm thinking, wow, Jeff Bezos could buy like 20 of those. <laughs> Can you imagine finding out that that's a relative and you have all of that at your disposal and you're living in a tent under a bridge in Minneapolis? How ridiculous is that? As followers of Jesus, we have riches beyond our, our understanding and too often we waste it. And you say, well, how do I waste it? See, we're looking at big things. It's not big things. It's a game of inches. Sometimes, God very seldom speaks out loud to me. Once or twice in my entire life. But he gives me impressions all the time. And what I think, was that God whispering? <coughs> you know, I'm in Walmart, or I'm in the parking lot, or I'm doing something, I see something, and God whispers, you know, you should do that. I have two choices. I could go about my business, or I can stop what I'm doing and I can listen to what he's saying and I can do that. Sometimes it's a big thing, but more often than not, it's a little thing. You should, you should hug that person and just say something to them. And I'll listen to him and I'll, I'll do that and I find out that person has had a major crisis and they desperately needed that touch, that look and that touch. And I didn't know that, but God did. Because if I'm a believer, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He still has a lot of work to do here. I'm the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. 
So there are too many times we're looking for the big things and we miss all those little things that really matter. Like for instance, being nice to somebody. Did you know that you can compliment somebody and it doesn't cost you a nickel? But it might change their life. I've seen it happen. When God speaks, we listen, we do it. So whatever season or stage of life you're in, don't miss this. First of all, you have to come to that understanding of Jesus is perfect and I'm not. The wages of sin is death. And the only way that I can get in on this, everything we've talked about, is a relationship with Jesus. He'll say later on in Ephesians, and it's nothing you do, it's by grace through faith. So the first thing we have to do is make sure we come to know Jesus. Then we have to make sure that we grow in our understanding of it by daily spending time in God's word and asking him to open our eyes and show us what we need to see. And then we need to make sure that we allow it to not just be head knowledge. That's dangerous. We need to allow it to captivate our inner person to change who we really are inside. That's what he wants to do with it. You have this incredible identity. You have a crazy capacity if you're a follower of Jesus. And you have enormous energy. The same energy that raised Jesus from the dead, that secured the forgiveness of sins and defeated death. That power is in you. And you can tap into it. So even in the mundane of life, we have the opportunity to serve those around us, to be the hands and feet and ears and eyes and nose and mouth of Jesus. Because it's a game of inches, from the head to the heart, and then to the hands. So today's the day. I'm not talking about the Vikings anymore. Today's the day, although it could be. Today's the day. As you sit here, as you listen to this, none of this is by accident. As you sit here, do you know Jesus personally? Have you stepped across that line from unbelief to belief and said it's no longer just about religion or church? I want to know him personally and move it from here to here. Because you can do that right now and change not only your forever, but change your life for the potential of an abundant life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you how it's been demonstrated so clearly, and, and we even read it again here in Ephesians, how that you secured that, that forgiveness of sin for those who believe you've defeated death so that we don't have to fear that because it's, it's only transitioning from this life to life with you. And I ask, Father, that we would be able to, to grasp that, that anybody that's listening to this that thought it was about church or religion or rules or regulations or rituals, that today they would realize it's about a relationship with Jesus. And then in simple faith, they would say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I'm going to make that U-turn running from you. And, I, and I'm going to turn to you and believe that God sent you, that you died for me, that he raised you from the dead, and that was for me. And that because of that, I can have my past forgiven. I can have meaning and purpose in my life today, and I can have an incredible hope for the future. And Father, for those who have already crossed that line, 
I pray that we would understand what we have in Christ and that we would not waste those riches. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. We need to lift our eyes to him, keep our eyes on him, but we also need to see others through his eyes. And to see life through his eyes. That's, that's what wisdom is. You have incredible identity if you're a follower of Jesus. You have crazy capacity and enormous energy. And if this morning is the morning that you decided that you wanted in on that and you asked Jesus in your words from your heart to be your Savior, please don't keep that to yourself. Share that with us. Because remember, we're all in this together. And it works better together. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that you didn't just leave us, that you accepted us. But when we accepted you by faith, what we got in terms of an identity is out of this world. And what we got as a capacity is is so crazy. And forgive us for not acting on that when we should. And we know, Father, that the energy that we have from you can accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish through us. That that calling that you placed on our life is not out of your reach for us. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.